Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Red Wolf Talk. My name is Kim Wheeler, and I will be your host for this podcast. For those of you that don't know me, I am the director of the Red Wolf Coalition, which is located in Columbia, North Carolina, right in the heart of Red Wolf Country. I am really excited to be bringing you these podcasts. This has been a dream of mine for a while. It just took me a little bit of time to learn some software and learn some of the in and outs of podcasts. So I hope you will stay with me. Um, my plan for these podcasts certainly is to focus on all things Red Wolf, but I also want to introduce you to some other amazing people that are working for wolves every day. So some of our conversations will be with people that maybe are doing work for gray wolves or the Mexican gray wolf program. I really want to introduce you to all things wolf. I think if you're listening to this, you are interested in wolves and I look forward to hopefully bringing you some really good podcast. Um, that will help expand your horizons and maybe think about things a little bit different. These podcasts will not just be me talking. I realize I probably would lose everybody if I did that. Um, my intention is to bring some pretty cool people that work for wolves every day, let you peek into their world a little bit and see how they work every day for red wolves and how they see their work fitting into the big picture of red wolf conservation. There are 49 facilities which are called safe cooperators that saving animals from extinction that have red wolves under human care. My plan is to highlight one every podcast that I do and I also hope to be able to connect with some of those so that we can bring you, again, a really great story about what they do, about the organization that they represent, the visitors that they see, and how they see their work fitting into that bigger picture. As we move through each episode, I ask for your patience as I continue to learn how to make these podcasts better. Trust me, it's been a lot of learning, a lot of YouTube videos, and I'm getting there, but I realize I have a really a long path ahead to make sure that each podcast is better than the next. I'm sure I will mispronounce words and occasionally get something wrong. But let's all remember to be kind, and occasionally when I get something wrong, I'll ask for some forgiveness. I have been with the coalition for 18 years doing red wolf work and I have a pretty thick skin but my feelings can get hurt so be patient with me. One thing I want to mention is um, I want to give you just a little bit of history about the Red Wolf Coalition. We were founded 26 years ago by one of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Red Wolf biologists who saw the need for education and outreach beyond what the Fish and Wildlife was doing. Red Wolf education and outreach is all we do. As I mentioned already, I've been with the coalition for 18 years. Some days I feel like I just got here yesterday, and other days I feel like I've been here for about 180 years. 
There have been some amazing high highs and horrible low lows, but through it all, the coalition has remained dedicated to seeing that the red wolf has a chance at survival in the wild. We do this through our education and outreach programs. We do this when we are able to support the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Red Wolf Recovery Program by donations. Most recently, we donated um, one of the um, highway signs that you see that alert visitors traveling on Highway 64 headed to the Outer Banks that you are entering the home of the Red Wolf and to please slow down and look and make sure that there's nothing on the side of the road that wants to cross. It's, those signs are great, not only for wolves, but also for bears and other wildlife. Um, our website is www.redwolves.com. That's R-E-D-W-O-L-V-E-S.com. You'll find some really great information on our website about the Red Wolf. We have an amazing Red Wolf reference library. I get a lot of um, emails and calls from students, graduate students, master students working on Red Wolf projects. And that is one of the first places that I send them is that reference library to get them to take a look at some amazing publications that have come out. And nine times out of 10, that answers most of their questions. We also have a great Facebook page that my board chair, Neil Hutt, manages. It, every day you can learn something about red wolves. It's interactive. If you post a question, she's going to see it and give you an answer. So I invite you to check out both the website and the Facebook page. I'm in charge of the Instagram page, and I will be honest, I do a horrible job with the Instagram page. Most days I am in the office and I struggle to find something interesting to post about, but I am trying to do better about that. My office manager, Lucy, who is my um, yellow lab, who's a year and a half old, probably thinks that if she could talk, she would tell me that she does interesting things every day that I could put on the page. But, you know, that page is supposed to be about red wolves. But I'm going to try to do better about posting some short little bits of information on Instagram. So before I get started with the podcast and my topic for today, I wanted to share a fun fact that really has nothing to do with wolves at all. Today's interesting tidbit is, did you know that there is only one country on earth without mosquitoes? Many of us live in areas that we think we have the worst mosquitoes, just like I think their worst ones are here in northeastern North Carolina. But Iceland is the only country that does not have mosquitoes. The, their low temperatures make it impossible for the pest to breed. As we move into summer here, I might think about maybe relocating to Iceland. How about the Red Wolf Coalition? live and in person from Iceland. I think that sounds really, really good. As I was thinking about what I wanted this first episode to look like, it made sense in my little brain that we would maybe start with the history of the Red Wolf program. But I decided to go a different direction because there was a very interesting article that came across my desk recently. It is entitled, 
Wolf Watching in Yellowstone, Viewing versus Habituation by Doug Smith. This article was originally published in the summer 29, 2019 issue of IW Magazine that is published by the International Wolf Center. Their website is www.wolf.org, and it also can be found a couple of weeks back on our Facebook page. You'll find a link, so if you have a second, please take a moment to read it. Um, I wanted to start with this article because it made me think about summer and that people are getting outside more and planning vacations. And I know a lot of people, when they plan their vacations, they pick a destination, whether it's Yellowstone, the Grand Canyon, the Outer Banks, uh, Martha's Vineyard. And one of, I feel like, the attractions is what am I going to see? And for some people, that is wildlife. They like to see wildlife. And certainly, one of the most visited places in the summer is Yellowstone National Park. And that's what this article talks about visitors to Yellowstone and how those visitors affect the wolves and other wildlife that reside there at Yellowstone. I've been to Yellowstone several times. I'm sure a lot of you guys have also been, and it is simply amazing. The landscape and the wildlife are breathtaking. And as I read this article, I got to thinking about have I ever thought about how I watch wildlife? Seems simple enough, but when I got to think about it, I realized maybe it wasn't so simple at all. I'd like to think that I keep a respectful distance and allow animals the ability to go about their business, even as I stand and watch them. But do I really? We have some amazing federal properties here in northeastern North Carolina that are home to the endangered red wolf. We certainly have seen, and I say we as the collective we, um, an increase in visitors to Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge. And if you've never been, please put that on your must-see place to go and visit. It's a beautiful property, and you can see some amazing wildlife. But last year, there were six pups born that are now yearlings that have garnered a lot of attention from people. Love, love, love that people want to see the red wolf. Certainly, the more people that want to see it, the more people want to learn about it, appreciate it, help, help support the program. And if you're not from North Carolina, or even if you are, go back and tell your representatives in government that it's important that they support this program financially um, because we don't want to see this program go away. But I also thought about how many of those visitors stop and think about how they view wildlife. Visitors are welcome and wanted. We, again, want more people to come, look at the animals, but do it in a respectful manner. We need to think about our proximity to animals, especially the endangered red wolf that lives on these local refuge properties. For those of you that don't know, here in northeastern North Carolina is the only wild populations of red wolves in the world. Think about that for a second. Maybe we need to think a little harder about how we interact 
not just when we're on those amazing refuge properties about how we view red wolves, but also how we view all the wildlife, because that is the purpose of federal refuge properties. Federal refuge properties are for the animals. Our national and state parks are for the people. So keep that in your mind the next time that you come to visit. Think about what are you doing? If you're at Alligator River and you are viewing the endangered red wolf, I understand that it is a life-changing experience. I've had so many people share their experience of seeing a red wolf in the wild with me. I love their enthusiasm. I love the passion. More than anything, I love the emotion that it evokes. And I've had that opportunity to see one. So I understand how magical that moment is for an individual. But I want you to think about where you are. Are you, do you feel safe from that animal? Does that animal feel safe from you? This accessibility to wildlife is not without its downside. We humans get so excited that we sometimes forget that our presence can block roads or passageways that animals need to use. We also need to remember that our constant presence can make an animal become tolerant of humans or even habituated. That's not to say that you shouldn't go and that you should not view wildlife. I think what this article pointed out for me is we need to be more mindful about how we are doing it. How long do we stand there? You can always come back. You can go visit a different, if you're here in Northeastern North Carolina, go visit a different portion of the refuge and come back. Again, I understand that it is amazing and magical to be able to view a red wolf. But again, I want everybody to keep in mind what your presence is doing. How does your presence affect their ability to move around? Because the last thing we want to do is have any wildlife reduce their fear of humans. We know that it's not a good thing for any wild animal to lose its fear of humans. We know what happens in that situation, and the winner is never the animal. So keep in mind, if you come to visit, the wild population of red wolves is fragile, and each wolf is critically important to the success of the, these animals in the wild. So please keep in mind while you're here how close you get. If an animal walks toward you, start hollering and try to make it want to not be where you are. Because we know a tolerant wolf, we know that tolerant wolves want to avoid people, but still travel through its territory. An habituated wolf displays fearlessness and approaches people too closely. So remember, we know who wins that battle when it comes to animals that are too tolerant of people. And that's not what we want to happen. This summer, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Red Wolf Recovery Program is piloting, see there's words that I will mess up, an educators program at Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge. They will have some local educators 
that will be present that will be able to provide information about the Red Wolf and I imagine some other information about Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge so that as a visitor you can come, you can learn more about the refuge, learn more about the Red Wolf program. But I imagine these educators will also be there to be able to keep people moving along because we want everybody to have an amazing experience. And it is a rare opportunity if you are one of the lucky few to be able to see a red wolf. And they're beautiful. I mean, hands down, when those animals that are now yearlings were pups, there's, to me there's nothing cuter than when those red wolves are small and they have those big ears. I mean, just absolutely, absolutely beautiful. So I hope that everyone traveling to Northeastern North Carolina will make a stop at Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge and take advantage of this new educator program. I think it's gonna be amazing. I also hope um, that you'll check out this article and take a moment to think about how your presence affects the wildlife you are watching. As I mentioned earlier, there are 49 SAFE, which is Saving Animals from Extinction, cooperators across the United States. The first SAFE cooperator I thought I would start with is located right here in North Carolina, and that is the Museum of Life and Science located in Durham, North Carolina. Love the Museum of Life and Science. If you've ever been, it is always bustling with families and school groups. It's just an amazing place. I can't imagine anybody going there and their kids not finding something that in, would interest them. Um, again, it's just an amazing place. So if I took a little bit, uh, took a little liberty and took some information right off of their website. The Museum of Life and Science strives to create a place of lifelong learning where people of all ages embrace science as their way of knowing about themselves, their community, and their world. Love, love, love that. The museum is located less than five miles from downtown Durham and is one of North Carolina's top family destinations. They have an 84-acre campus which includes a two-story science center, one of the largest butterfly conservatories on the East Coast, and beautifully landscaped outdoor exhibits. Their interactive experiences include Dinosaur Trail, Ellerby Creek Railway, Hideaway Woods, Into the Mist, Earth Moves, and Aerospace which features one of the largest collections of Apollo-era NASA artifacts in the state. The museum is also an AZA-accredited zoo, home to rescued black bears, lemurs, endangered red wolves, and more than 60 species of live animals. The museum has had red wolves since November 1992, that's 31 years. They have had five litters born, and their incredible exhibit is home currently to a pair of red wolves. If you haven't been, please go and visit. One way that you can support red wolves, if you don't live here in northeastern North Carolina, is look to see if you have one of those 49 safe cooperators, cooperators in your area 
and see if you can get involved. And maybe that means volunteering. I know that every facility has their rules and regulations, so I encourage you to reach out and see what you can do. If you are in Northeastern North Carolina anytime, whether it's this summer, anytime, I hope that you will take the opportunity to stop into our office. We're right, town, right downtown Columbia, 212 Main Street. I always love to meet people. Pop in the office, you'll get to meet Lucy, the office manager. And also while you're here, I hope you will take the opportunity to visit the Red Wolf Center, which is located um, on Pocosin Lakes National Wildlife Property. The center is run by a partnership between the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the North Carolina Wildlife Federation. Katerina Ramos does the programs. Her phone number is 252-216-6634. I know Kat would love to hear from you and she can give you up-to-date information on when programs are. The wolves that are there are um, a pair of brothers and if you are familiar with the Museum of Life and Science, you know that these um, two boys used to live there and came to live here in Columbia uh, maybe five or six months ago and uh, I can tell everybody that they are doing wonderful and um, people are coming to see them and are have settled into life here just great. I hope that you have enjoyed our first podcast. I hope you'll tell everybody that you know about it. Um, bear with me. I'm going to get better. We're going to bring in some really interesting people. And I look forward to growing these podcasts and providing you with information so that you will continue to learn more about Red Wolves and your support for them will grow even stronger than it is now. So until next time, Keep howling, and I'll talk to you soon.